This episode of So uh, is brought to you by Pubercuts. Hey, all you guys and gals. Actually, just guys. Getting a little lazy downstairs during quarantine? Don't grab your razor and cut yourself. Come on down to Pubercuts. You'll come in, we'll wax you right up, slice you and dice you, and get you out the door. Pubercuts, where you come in like a forest and leave as smooth as a bowling ball. That's not good. I'm disappointed in myself. Or odd, odd. You're frozen as hell. I mean, surely. Sure. I don't love Carrick. I just, I like listening to him talk. Mine didn't come until this morning, but I want to give big ups to, I've already forgotten his name. Odd and out, that's not a word. So, uh, the bitch hoe. This guy, Matt, because his name is Matt. What the hell is going on? So, uh, welcome back to the pod. Matt, Connor, you know. Last High one. Energy. Last one last one of the year. Last one of the of the podcast year. We have our own calendar. You can subscribe to it at calendars.soa.com slash calendars. Uh we're here. I'm laying down in my bed, comfortable as hell. Connor, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm feeling better about this. We're kinda we're kinda just laid back. You know, we've had Less time than normal to take this in, but I, I think I feel better about it. I don't think there's a ton of new material in this, the last two episodes. Um, you know, this this might be more of a reflective pod, and uh, I'm I'm here for it. We had some observations, and uh, we're we're ready to bring them to you. You just and, fucking and you're, despise you're small talk, don't you? Yeah. Um, how am I actually? Let's see. Pretty productive weekend. I got out and played a little golf. Socially distanced, of course. Did not do so well. I posted on uh, my Snapchat and Instagram. I was like, hey, friends of mine, you think I'm going to break 50? And I shot 48. So it was about about where I expected. My confidence on the, gol- on, the, on the golf course is typically pretty low. Like, I don't even look at my driver. I just hit four irons around the Muni and try and make my way around. And I, you know, I hit, I, I'm a, like generally a one really good shot per hole guy. By like six and seven, I was like a two good shot per whole guy. So feeling good. Most of my friends basically never played before, so we kind of just hacked it around. Good weather. Good weather, though. You a big uh, double story poster? Instagram, Snapchat, double story post? I don't believe I'd ever done that before. I think it was more a time thing. Because, yeah, I used like the Snapchat font and then just screenshotted it and put it on Instagram. Nice, efficient. But onto this uh, last dance shit. Would you ever trash talk Black Jesus? I mean, no. Like we were just talking about this before we hopped on. That I I'm not a confrontation guy. I'm, I don't do well with confrontation. I will say there was one time. I think it was in the, like one of the six minutes I played in varsity, like my last two years of high school, save senior night because they just let all the scrubs play then. Um. And, like, some kid really got under my skin. And, like, the, the extent of my trash talk was, like, I think I was just, like, dude, just just fucking play. Or, like, just play basketball. Like, the dude was just being annoying. Uh, he might have been shit-talking me. I don't remember. But that's, like, that's as mad as I get. So I would go nowhere near Michael Jordan. I would shit-talk him, like, on the bench, like, to my teammates. But that's how I'm kind of soft like that. I mean, that's just such an iconic quote. Don't ever trash-talk black Jesus. I know. What were the other nicknames? 
We got some Reggie Miller early on in this because he thought he was hot shit taking on MJ. But he had, like, Black Cat or something. He said that once in a press conference. I think he was probably going to say Black Jesus, but then realized that if he completely submitted to Michael Jordan and called him Black Jesus in a press conference, that's pretty not great. Maybe wait until you're fully eliminated for that. Maybe wait until you're there making a documentary 20 years later. I appreciated some 98 Reggie. I don't sure. know about you. He's, I mean, clutch. That guy's clutch in big games. Sure. I like that pretty, shot where he pushed stroke, off Jordan. Honestly, like, before... I, I don't. I guess I didn't watch enough Reggie Miller footage. Like, this might be a hot take. Do I like his jumper form all, as much as Ray Allen's? Maybe. I might. I'll tell you who's was irking me a little bit. And I hate to say this, but Steve Kerr kind of short strokes it a little bit. Hmm. That's a take. You know, he's like the highest three-point percentage guy ever. I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to say he was a bad shooter. Because I, I can't say that. I just feel like his uh, his right arm looked like a little... I, I, just short strokes is the only word I really have for it. Is right. I feel like he could have been a, he could have had a little more extension, but clearly what he was doing worked for him incredibly well. So who the fuck am I? Yeah, guys, guys doing all right. How many? Did he, what do you say? He won a couple more with the Spurs after he won three. Yeah, he's, he has a total of eight NBA championship rings, five as a player, three as a coach. So he's done all right. Yeah, good for for so my, good for uh, Steve Kerr. Guys, a my winner. teenage sister had the hot take that he's he is uh, a better looking man now than he was as a player. Seems objectively true. Well, it's definitely more seasoned. Depend depends how you feel about that military cut he had going. I mean, I saw a tweet. It's kind of the same same cut now. I saw I a tweet that said Steve Kerr decided on a haircut and really stuck with it. <laughs> I think something about being on like the West Coast has made him look better. Or something, you know. You know that sun? Everyone looks better with a little tan, right? I don't know. I feel like just being a consistent winner and pushing basketball progression makes you makes you glow. He's a good enough looking guy, right? That the rest kind of elevates yeah. him. And yeah, he's very well spoken. He's very smart. Tragic backstory that we learned about. For sure. Not to skip two pages ahead in your notes, but I feel like this is as good a time as any to do the Kerr thing. The important thing about notes is that we have them, not that they go in any kind of order. That's right. Did So what did you glean from that story? How much did you know? Because I, I knew most of it. I didn't know any of it. I didn't know any of it, so I was taken aback. I, I, obviously, based on the way that it started being asked, did you ever talk about your dad with Michael? Like, I knew where it was ending. But I didn't realize that he had this, his dad was a scholar who was such so, so well-established in Beirut. And then so heavily opposed by the opposition and then tragically murdered because of it. I had no idea. Yeah, the one thing I didn't know is that his entrance to becoming the president of that university is that the guy before him was, like, kidnapped. Like, right before he showed up. I thought that was very casually mentioned. I guess yeah, I'm, very casually thrown obviously, in. Obviously, it's not, like, it's this is not what the documentary is about or at all. Like, so I, I obviously it's not super important that that's in the documentary. But, yeah, the fact that they just only mentioned, yeah, he was kidnapped. Like, I would have loved a little more backstory on that, but. I did see um, Dave Zirin tweet, like, a thread and a half about how important Malcolm Kerr was to developing, I don't know if it's knowledge of the Middle East. Yeah, like, just, like, his expertise of the Arab world and, and the Middle East, like, coming from America and, and writing all that stuff and doing all the work he did um, and, like, the care he took in trying to develop where he was at 
in Beirut and trying to help those students um, be the best they could be. But that, that, yeah, that curse story, I did know it. Like, I knew the tragedy of it. For our audience, he was killed getting off an elevator, going to a meeting at the American University in Beirut. So they kind of, they slide that in there. They give you some Kerr backstory. Um, more so about his role on the team. Like, they talk about in 93 how when he was playing, or prior to that, how he was playing for Cleveland early on in his career. And he saw John Paxson in that role that he carved out with the Bulls and kind of tried to emulate it. I thought um, that was so cool. Yeah, like I Just agree. to, like, recognize, like, where exactly, where and how you fit somewhere and aspiring to it. Like, it's not greatness. It's not all-star caliber. It's just success and being a piece of success. And that's so cool to me. And so... So rare to see someone just so aware, so self-aware to know what they bring and know what they can do at their best, surrounded by the right pieces and being the right piece for someone else's legendary storyline. Like, I thought it was just so cool and just, like I said, very self-aware. Right. I was going to say, like, just if realism is the right word, how realistic he was about stepping back and saying, okay, John Paxson did this. And no, he's not going to be remembered as some amazing player. Certainly not an amazing executive. Flash forward 20 years. But he found this role. He's the he's a hero of the 93 finals. And Kerr watches that and says, hey, I, I can do this. I can't do a lot, but I can, I can do that. It is interesting he brings up at some point where he struggled a lot in the playoffs because he would have like, when you're a player of that role, he said he he took about five shots a game, and when you take five shots a game every single shot, you just feel so much pressure to deliver because, like, if you miss one, maybe you're not going to get another chance at it. So I, I like the way he handled that, and I thought that the question about the dads thing was a little more insight to MJ as a teammate. And to, like, and remember when he fights with Kerr early on, um, and there's a quote with him, like, yeah, I had to ask someone for Steve Kerr's phone number to apologize. So I think you see a little bit more about MJ's the connection with the teammates and like sometimes where it would go, it's just focused on practice and, and really winning. And, and maybe that's just a sensitive subject that he and his, and Steve Kerr both lost their dads and they weren't going to connect on that. But I think, I think that said something. I think the asking for his number thing, part of that might've been a Michael's newness back to the team. I could be wrong could about be. that. But in terms of the dad thing, that's like something that's like, Steve Kerr would have to breach because prior to that, I don't know why Jordan would know that Kerr's dad died in a tragic way like that. So it's not something that, or Jordan would be like, yeah, but um, it's, there there was no Google. But I mean, it's just sort of one of the, it's one of those things. Well, I mean, he died when Kerr was in college. Right. But uh, it's one of those things I'm not sure, like, Jordan knew necessarily or, like, would have connected right off the bat and been, like, wanted to go, hey, man. And maybe there just isn't a time to, like, yeah. for, that, for that to come up organically. I don't know. And I don't think it's, it's – it's, and it's not Kerr's relationship with Jordan to be like, hey, I know you're going through some shit. If you need anything. That's right. not – that's not their relationship. So I'm not, I'm not surprised by that. The question's, like, fair. I mean, but I'm not surprised by the answer. But I mean, Jordan is pretty guarded, right? Like you see in this, for sure. The the relationship that this is actually an interesting uh, development from this episode is you see how close he was with the security guard Gus. I forget his last name, 
Um, but he's this former Chicago police officer who, when MJ was hurt, like early in his stint with the Bulls, this uh, this uh, security guard was doing a lot for him, helping him get to his car when he was on crutches and really like looking out for him. And they became really close. And this, this security guard's wife is interviewed in the documentary. She's talking about all the times they were close. Uh, MJ would call him crying sometimes at night when he was thinking about his dad. And and then this, and Gus comes down with uh, lung cancer at some point. And there's just a lot of like touching, nice footage of them together. And another insight to like when you're that famous, sometimes the people you're closest with are those security guards. I thought that was that was a cool insight. Totally. I mean, it makes it makes a lot of sense because Jordan, as we, as he shows, there's like I think it's best encapsulated in that moment where he's in the hotel room on the couch with the orange juice and the cigar where it just shows like he can't live a normal life like even that like Scottie Pippen could live like it just wasn't possible for him and so when you have all that those people like those handlers like you're gonna become closer with them than you might even with your own be with your own kids and it's also like those those security guards who are with him like night and day that's what I'm saying they, they literally understand what he's going like what he's going through Whereas teammates, you know, they're not with him all the time. And, I mean, again, I'll say it because I have to bring it up. I was just drawn to the other guy? guys, Jerry Curl, again. I, how, many, I see, how many appearances did he have? I feel like I saw In one. this one, maybe I'd say one. two to three. Okay. I can confirm two, maybe a third. But he was there. He was around. Delightful, man. Smile, like I said, could melt a heart. Yeah. Rest in peace to that guy. I mentioned Michael's kids and that guy, and we, where we finally got Michael's kids for the first time. Oh, yeah, towards the very end. And you know what the context is? It's ninety one of the Jazz finals, 97 or 98. And they literally well, interviewed the both. kids. Okay, both. But they mentioned, they interview like Marcus and Jeffrey, two of his sons, and they say, they say like their mom wouldn't let them go to Utah. And then they ask the daughter, and she's like, yeah, those fans, they were rough. And it was like a minute it was like a minute stretch between the three of them. And it was yeah. just like the comment on the Jazz fans. I thought it was like interesting. I feel like that's going to be a lot of like critics Twitter conversation is like did they like why did they include this? Was it to appease people? Was it even worth it? I like, thought we could have gotten more about Michael from his kids' perspective. I agree. I remember one shot where they're little kids in like maybe the 90 90- yeah, Marcus and Jeffrey passing Six? back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's in the first two episodes. Okay. So yeah, there was some footage of them, and I don't know if it's like they wanted to avoid the family or, I mean, the documentary is really about the team and the 97, 98 and the last dance and all that. Um, but like at that point, I was I, I just don't, I think you don't even include that minute clip of them. But It was weird. But it doesn't matter to me. Speaking of uh, ridiculous fans, we have that lady early on from the series of the Pacers just screaming, just hollering at Michael Jordan at the team. And it included lines such as, in your fucking face. Yeah, she was a riot. That that woman, just the ideal, ideal cut Karen. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we all know someone like that. We feel like we all played rec sports with so, and someone's mom was like that. Maybe it was more dads, but... No, nah, there are moms. I can tell you that uh, there are many parents throughout... The town of Bristol, Connecticut, who were like that. Many a parent. What's the ratio? Like, how many parents, like, 
I guess you're not writing stories critical of their kids or anything, but how like how many moms how many moms are in your inbox on like a weekly basis? Not that you've written about sports for a little bit here, but like I've only, I only got like a handful a over the like how many months did I actually cover sports? Uh, four. We'll call it four and a half. Uh, a full football season, right? No, I only did like three weeks of the regular season. Oh, okay. No, not, I haven't done a full season because either they got cut short or I showed up late. But uh, now I'd say I got a handful of emails throughout the whole four and a half months of sports. A couple of them were just more like corrections or clarifications or things they just wanted to bring to my attention. Uh, I got one one woman, one kid's mom calling an opposing wrestling coach dirty. Oh. I do think it's cool that we see so many shots of just, like, rabid 90s NBA fans. And it's funny, like, some of it's funny just because they have weird hairstyles and the clothes they're wearing. But I feel like, I don't know, like, I don't have clear images in 2020 of, like, modern-day rabid NBA fans, like, I don't know, like, going like that. Like, I think Oklahoma City had, like, a good run there. We were like, wow, like, that's a crazy place to play. Those fans are amazing. But you know what I mean? I feel like a lot of these playoff games, it's like you just see loaded, packed houses. and Maybe it's just they took great shots of the crowds. But Our crowd shots are too focused on the celebrities now. Hmm, that could be. But I don't know. And maybe tickets are way more expensive, too. Yeah. So you get a different kind of fan, you know, closer to the bench than you used to? Yeah. The rowdier fans, yeah, are harder to find. But The sign game was strong in the 90s. Sure. Just better character. General better character of, of sports fans. They weren't corrupted by social Funnier media. Funnier pictures, like funny, big funny glasses, funny hair. A lot of glasses. They're just passionate. Yeah, they weren't corrupted by social media, exactly, because they're not, they're not thinking like some people are there watching them, and you know what I mean? Like, they're just in the moment. Yeah. Get off our lawns, please. Now you can stay on my lawn. All right. Uh, did you think that uh, Reggie Miller push was a push? Um, yeah, it was a push, but I also don't care. Like, th- that's where I landed on it. No, I don't care I either, think, but do you think you would have gotten away with it today? I, okay, so I do think he would have gotten away with it, but it's kind of in a, in a, different, in a different context. Like, I think little push-offs and stuff like that are so rampant that we accept them, like, i.e. anything James Harden has ever done on a basketball court. But also we have a hundred like cameras on every play and like maybe that would have been reviewed for 25 minutes and overturned the other way. So it's, it's kind of hard to say like what the actual result would have been. Like it maybe it would have got called. Like do you think they wouldn't call that back? I don't think because it's such a big moment. Yeah. But I think like there, there just would have been so many more eyeballs on it. And like I know the ratings in 96, 97 were like insane. Like finals ratings haven't touched those numbers in a long time. But, like, the Twitter conversation and, like, the, the videos just would have been replayed and replayed. But uh, I think I think he would have got away with it. Like, technically speaking, like, he would have hit the shot, won the game. And I think so many other people do the same stuff all the time. We also got a couple of great jerseys in this, uh, in this episode. Between all the Pacers jerseys with the pinstripes. Love those. Especially, like, the navy ones and the yellow ones. They didn't show those as much, but those are crazy cool. Big fan. And then I love—I mean, I love those Jazz jerseys. They're sick. They're sick. The the uh, warm-up uniforms. Oh my! I think goodness. I literally wrote. I think I was like out of control or something. They're they're fantastic. 
I would love a Greg Ostertag jersey. Ostertag? Double zero? Come on. Was he in this game? Oh, yeah. I feel like I didn't see any videos of him. Was he a big guy? I I saw him, yeah. Large, just just a great matchup for Luke Longley. Got some nice Hornacek who looks exactly the same as he looks now. It's true. So does Reggie Miller. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Just like a little shinier, I feel like. (laughs) That's a great point. He's like been polished with age. Probably, you know, a few few nice spray tans, some good skin care. Maybe those are oxymorons. Oxymorons not the word there. I don't know. It's late. It's not that late. What's next on your list here? On my list? mine? Oh, I yeah. I spent a very many, many, many years until tonight thinking that it was Byron Russell. I, it did take me a few minutes. Like I wrote down Brian, and then I kept second guessing myself. I was like, I think they said Brian, but then I waited for them to keep. Yeah, they back. said Brian. Brian Russell was another guy on MJ's list, Horn, where he uh, chirped MJ to practice in the playoffs in Chicago, and MJ said, "Yeah, he's on my list." And then he made a game winner over him. Although you know what, with a lot of these game winners, save like a couple, like the Craig Elo one, I think is similar to this Brian Russell one, where like you can't see my hand right now because this is a podcast. But, like, if if you're at home listening to this, put put your left middle finger, like the top of them, on the top of your palm. And, like, that's how close these guys were defending MJ. He just made great shots. So, if that motivated him to make that shot, whatever. I think it was good defense. But in terms of him being on his list, it wasn't just about that one shot. Like, MJ went off that whole series with Brian Russell being the primary guy guarding him. Yeah, I know, but he always goes off. Yeah. But that's about the. Li- but if we're talking about the list, like it's not one shot isn't what puts, isn't what, like crosses isn't, you off yeah, the yeah. list. Okay, it's a good point. I feel like he never crossed anyone off the list. They're on there forever. Who's on your list? Just curious. My list. Yeah. Just people that beat me at Ithaca College intramurals that I'm never gonna play in sports again. <laughs> people, I mean, people. I just I want to like cross up. No, I, your shit list. I don't know. If you oh. were MJ and you had a list of people who wronged you, who you want to, who you want to step over, AI over Ty Lue style. Anyone from this episode? Who's on your list from this episode? You don't have to answer that. I don't even know what that. I mean, there's no Jerry Krause. Always right. Jerry Krause. You know what? I think he was barely in this, and it was kind of nice. Yeah. No, we had, we didn't have anything else to hear from him. We knew what he was going to do. We knew what he did. He'd done his work. How about the flu game? Turns out it wasn't a flu game. The pizza game. Isn't that such a funny story? That's heartbreaking. I thought he, uh, Jordan he had orders, the plague. He orders a pizza because it's the only thing open in Utah. And maybe the only pizza place open in Salt Lake City. But that's the story. He orders pizza and then five guys come to the hotel door. And uh, who was it that answered and had a bad feeling about it? The trainer. The trainer? Okay, yeah. And then he uh, starts throwing up the whole pizza pie. Turns out it was food poisoning. I mean, I, I, I respect the feat of overcoming that because that's still not, like, anything major or anything minor, rather, to just play through that. Like, that sucks. I've had some food poisoning instances in my life, and I've been bedridden for a day or two. If you think about, like, anything – like, the flu game thing is because – the announcers, and I think the official thing was like he had flu-like symptoms. That was like the official designation. 
So if you, I mean, think about times when you've had bad flu-like symptoms. And then trying to go play 44 minutes, that's pretty tough. But you could look at his face. You could tell that there was, like, he was fucked up. Yeah, right. There's a lot of camera shots. And I think David Aldridge said, like, the whole game he'd come over and he just looked. looked Where were the shots? There are definitely shots that they didn't use of him just yakking in a bucket in between quarters. Just blowing chunks. There had to be. Could be. They didn't want to throw up the uh, explicit tag an extra time in the episode. That doesn't pass the breakfast test. Viewer at discretion. 10 p.m. on a on a Sunday. One thing I, I wanted to bring up because I think I tweeted it during the thing because I was thinking about tough like, and I know I did a lot of tough guy thing. Like I think I repeated the phrase "fake tough guy" like 64 times in in one minute last episode. But I thought of Kevin Looney, Kevon Looney, pardon me, because in game like four of last year's finals, when just everything hit the wall for the Warriors. Curry gets hurt, and Thompson gets hurt, and Durant gets hurt, and everything. And Looney was playing with, like, a fracture in his shoulder, and his whole job is to rebound, and, like, there's times he's trying to shoot free throws, and he can't even, like, lift his arms, and he's getting, like, offensive boards. So Kevon Looney's on my list, but it's a good list. I'm, I'd say he's he's right up there. He's right up there with playing through tough stuff. And I just I, wanted to give him some love, because I, I like that guy. Respect. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's a little heartbreaking to know that Jordan wasn't, like, dying of, like, 104 fever the way I thought he was during that game. I feel like that's sort of how it's prophesized. And, like, everything I do with this is I take it and try and somehow relate it to the modern day and what some of these stories would look like. And this is one where I just don't – this wouldn't happen. Because in 2020, LeBron James would just send his people – first of all, there's – Many more food options in the middle of the night, I imagine, in Salt Lake City now. And you would never trust delivery guys. I don't think, eh, maybe they would. Maybe I'm cynical. But you would just send people out to get you whatever food you want. And maybe you could still get food poisoning, but I don't I think, what's the the idea is these, like, pizza guys made a bad pizza, right, to make them sick? Isn't that the, isn't that the joke? It's very alarming that there are five people there, which I think, th- think might have been more autograph-related. But still. Okay. Also kind of makes it seem like a plot. I don't know. What, what kind of toppings do you think Jordan went with with his late night pizza? <sighs> that's a good That's a good point. Like, do we think there were any kind of gnarly, potentially spoiled toppings? Like, what were they doing in Salt Lake City in 99 with pizza toppings? I feel like they were ahead of the game, putting weird stuff on it. I don't know. I feel like it could have been, like, some 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 old, some stanky pepperoni. See, he's probably got interesting pizza taste because it's not like there's good pizza in Wilmington, North Carolina. And then you get to Chicago, and I've personally never been, so I don't know, like, the deep dish scene or whatever, but I imagine nothing he got in Salt Lake City was like anything he had in Chicago. But he strikes me... He strikes me as, like, a... Like a... Like a sausage and pepperoni guy. If I was to guess. What are you thinking? I was thinking one of those... And what, you think a little spoiled, a little, little uh, past its prime pepperoni? Yeah, I wonder what the poison was. Bad water or the bread? What? Old cheese. Like, what poisons him? I don't know. Give me the old cheese. That's, could, yeah, I mean, it could only be a few things. <laughs> cheese, tomatoes, or whatever's on top. Anchovies? I've, I keep My mind keeps going to anchovies for... Like, potentially, like, 
food poisoning related toppings, but anchovies are A, good, and B, always come out of a can. So I feel like they don't spoil like that, but what the hell do I know? What color are anchovies? They're sort of grayish, pinkish, like, it's a tiny little catfish. It's not on my, not on my food pyramid. Yeah, but Connor, there's like, I could count on two hands the things on your food pyramid. I had one of them tonight, actually. (laughs) Chicken parm? Yes, sir. Big time. But, uh... Next on your list, Horton, here. We're we're just flying down the list of notes. Did you see that shot of Phil with the earplugs? Yep. And me and you were on the same page for, like, four or five of these things. How how do you take your notes during this? Right onto the Google Doc? Yeah, right on the Google Doc. Drinking something. I do the old. Word I vomit. do the old iPhone notes, but say you your your note says great shot of Phil with earplugs. Mine said cool shot of Phil with earplugs in Game Five. That's more of the the fans thing. I think it's cool that you get a semblance of, you know, what it was like to be in that arena in '97 with a riled up fan base in Utah, who had that was their first year in the finals '97, and they're back in '98. But cool shot. These camera guys did a great job. I mean, there's there's. There's five or six shots every episode. You're like, ah. Oh. And that's not one of them, but, you know, that was cool. Did you see Steve Jaffe this time? Nope. Uh, wait, did he throw up? Oh, because he threw up the, the jump ball in 98. Pacers both. He was, I don't and know what he was doing, but I saw him again. Toward the beginning of the dock again? I don't remember, but I saw him mm. again. All right, I can't. I, can't I mean, he's, sure he's lower on the list, so I'd say no, not towards the beginning. Mm, good point. No, I don't, I don't believe I saw Stevie this one. You're killing me, kid. One thing I wanted to bring up was the a few of my notes here. First of all, MJ in that game five steps up big, you know, like he always does. 38 points in 44 minutes. Hits a go-ahead three with 45 seconds left after he gets his own rebound on a missed free throw. That's that's the pizza game? Uh, yes. Wasn't game, yeah, that was. Game yeah, five is a pizza that's game. That's why it was notable. Said he plays 44 minutes with a flu. And puts up all those points. And he's just clutched down the stretch. Like, I know there are those big moments where Steve Kerr hits it and Paxson hits the shot in 93. Kerr hits but it's Jordan. It's Jordan. But it's Jordan. And it's just like, he does this so many times that it's like, it almost seems like you just like walk through it. Like, ah, oh, oh, like Jordan hit the game winner with 45 seconds left. Like, I don't think we can fully appreciate just watching all this footage, how clutch each and every one of these moments is. And there's just so many of them. That we kind of just brush them off. And um, you just watch them, and you, if you think about the parallels, like if you were to watch finals games today, and, you know, every every single year it's the same player coming through in these situations and putting up, like, 40 every night, it's insane. So I, I was impressed by that. Also, Jerry Sloan had a couple funny post-game moments. Sure. Um, so if he didn't know Michael Jordan was sick in the post-game presser, to which I was like, hmm. Not that you can really strategize to stop Michael Jordan. If you're coaching that team and you know he's hampered, you do something a little differently? No? Don't you? Probably. You make him run a I mean, he played 44 minutes, so he had to work, obviously. But I don't know. You Like, like in today's game, it's always you try and pick on like the weak defender. You put him in screen and rolls. This is what everyone used to do to the Warriors. So maybe you think, and Jordan's not a weak defender by any means, but... With a terrible flu like that, you think maybe you'd put him in more pick and rolls, make him defend quicker guys. It's not like he wanted to run up and down with Stockton for forty eight minutes. So I wonder if there, I wonder if Sloan would have done anything different. I love John Stockton. 
How about that pass? David Aldridge describes as the best pass he's ever seen by a point guard. I've seen that pass before. It's it's unbelievable. Great touch. Yeah. I I guess I'd seen it before, but from the the angle I'd always seen was more like phantom cam, like vertical across the court. I never really appreciate appreciated the distance he hucked that fucking thing. And it's just perfect like, touch. And they have it in they have it in full speed, so it's like he rebounds, he takes one dribble, he like barely gives a glance and just yeah. like, a, like a quick flick of the wrist. More than three quarters court. Yes. It's, like just, I'd just say it's from launches like the second it. block. Yeah, the second block to yeah. the to the left block on the other end. Eighty feet I'd say. I I just adore John Stockton. Like just pure hustle, pure pure grit. Just the greatest. Put Gonzaga on the map, I'd say. For sure. At least a little. I mean I don't actually know. Whenever Mark Few got there, I think Mark Few was there, but I'm not sure. But he's the first, yeah, the first one to come out of Gonzaga, and I love him. I love him because he had no like prospects or no idea that he had a future in the NBA after college. Like he talks about it, and as I will always bring up the '84 draft documentary because I just for some reason I do. But he's like, I heard there was basketball in Europe. I didn't really know what that meant, but I was gonna figure it out. And then he gets a uh, letter in the mail inviting him to uh, tryouts for the 84 Olympic team because this was before they used pros. And he thought it was a joke at first, but then he ends up realizing it was real. Goes, doesn't make it, was heartbroken, thought he, thought he deserved a spot. But then realized that he could hang with those guys. Gets taken 16th by the Jazz in 84. And The rest as they say. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the guy. He's just 6'1", little scrawny guy. He's just a, the smartest basketball player and is the all-time leader in two stats. Really? Assists and steals? Yeah. That's a good good nugget on your part. Thanks. I, I feel like... How many assists? A nice... the guy who pulls this up. Nice, healthy eleven or 12,000, I want to say. Because I, I, what I kind of thought was like, I wonder how high LeBron is on that list. Because for my money, I think I'll still take LeBron over anyone, passing-wise. Which is, I don't know if that's a weird statement. I, I, I don't think it's like that passing. spicy of a take. But. Okay, LeBron's eighth. I don't think he'll catch him, Jesus. John Stockton is first with 15,806. Second all-time Jason Kidd, 12,091. <laughs> so uh, it seems like a pretty safe bet no one's catching Johnny Stockton. Yeah, LeBron, I mean 9,300. 9,300 assists, and he's played 14 seasons? LeBron? So if he plays four, yeah, how many has LeBron 14 seasons? 17? Jesus. So if he plays 17 more, he could pass Stockton, maybe. Sheesh, that's a lot of assists. Shout out to Stockton. I was also looking, LeBron's nearly, he's in third place right now on the all-time scoring list. He's like nearly 3,000 points behind Carl Malone. Wow. He could pass that, though. I mean, yeah, in a couple, in like a year and a half. Whatever, but it's a it's a lot of points. If LeBron here's here's my deal we'll make tonight. If LeBron ever passes Stockton on the all time assist mark, we'll have him on the podcast. He's about LeBron 7, or Stockton. Short. LeBron. Yeah, that's fine. I'll, we'll, we'll I know, make it I happen. know a guy. I know a guy. Knows a guy. I'll start trying. We'll we'll definitely be the one hundred fifty third ranked society and culture podcast by then. Wasn't LeBron leading the NBA in assists this year? Yes. Yeah, he was. By, like, a lot. At least earlier in the year. 
back when I was paying attention to such things. Maybe in a couple of weeks we'll have like NBA numbers to talk about. Well, to pretend to talk about. Like we'll have it. You know what I mean? Like maybe they'll announce the season. Huh? Let's see. I think you got through a lot of these notes because we skipped out of order. Steve Kerr. So back then in the NBA Finals, were they doing the? Uh... That was beautiful. Were you going to ask the same question? I'm, sometimes when I'm going to say something and then and then Hornet goes, I just do like a weird like dance to I don't even know get myself a lot of emotions. No, I but, wasn't uh, ask so they were doing a two. Th- they did a two three two back then for the final series. What are your thoughts? I always thought that it, I always like the two two one 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 better. I do think I think it makes more sense just because now they have such easy access to private jets and stuff, and you can get even like the most extreme version is Warriors Cavs, right? Like it doesn't get much more. Like the only thing that would be more extreme than that is like Warriors and a, um. Orlando or Miami like if you went California to Orlando like the fact that they can just make that happen in a few hours on a plane I think it's more doable I do think the 232 is really interesting because if you believe momentum and I generally do when you're the road team and you get to that game six and you just you just have that I don't know you have that chance where like if you win all these games you get three in a row so even if you go down 2-0, you beat a team three times in a row, there's something to said to be said, even if you're going back to their place, for the momentum that you've just kicked them around three times in a row. Sure. So maybe the 2-2-1-1-1 is like the truest way to to try and have the outcome. Maybe that takes away momentum, I think is probably the idea. Um, but I, I was a fan of 2-3-2. I didn't like have a big problem with it. I, I mean, I, I, I agree that 2-2-1-1-1 is better and more f- equal. But I mean, I thought I didn't realize that I didn't, I've never been able to keep track of like when each of those was implemented in NBA history. And knowing that the flu game happened on the road in game five of a 2-3-2 is pretty impressive. Yeah, and does the... Maybe this is just doesn't make any sense, but the 2-2-1-1-1, does that... Does that like lean more into the whole the series doesn't start till uh, someone wins a road game thing? Or no, not... I don't know. I think it does. I think 2-3-2 is more conducive to winning a road game at some point. Cuz either yeah. cuz either by the by the third row, by the third game of the 3 the top seeded teams either going to figure out how to win in that arena or they're not and then I'd comfortably say that if the road if the lower seeded team wins all 3 games at home they could sneak one back in the final two. And if you were like a team like Oklahoma City, for example, I think there are I think there are fewer teams today that have like a a true home court advantage. So if you're one of those teams that did, to have three games in a row in the middle there, like that's huge. Especially if you steal a road game, like that's I mean maybe that was the phrase I was looking for. Like doesn't start till, or is that what I said? Till someone ruins a road game? It is what you said. You were okay. doing great. <laughs> so I said what I meant and did what I did what I did. Okay. Um, yeah, so if you actually pick up one of those road games, and then it's like, oh, well, if we win every home game, it's just over in five. So I, I, I don't know. I kind of like, I was okay with two three two. I imagine two two one 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 is just the way of the future. For sure. The travel, it's just for travel. It's fine. Are you just getting your notes or looking for a treasure? There was something that you wrote that I wanted to bring up. Oh, do it. Never mind. I couldn't find it, but I found it. Quote of the episode is "You bitch, fuck you." 
I think it is. Has to, I mean, you can't guard, you can't shit talk black Jesus is close. And what's the context of the, the you bitch fuck you for our people? That's um after the Bulls eliminate the Pacers from the 1998 Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Larry Bird is the coach of that team, and he and Michael meet up in the tunnel. And it's not really clear how that starts, but just Michael just goes, you bitch, fuck you. Yeah, and it was like a nice playful thing. And I don't know. It was it was awesome to see. A lot of that, that behind-the-scenes stuff is amazing. Even going back to, like, was it the 97 All-Star game? Which one was at MSG? Where Bird was one of the coaches. It was 98. That was the same year with Kobe. It was 98, same year. Okay, so there was more locker room footage from that All-Star yeah. Of it was like Magic and MJ and Larry Bird. Like that stuff's great cuz MJ and or yeah, MJ and Larry so many battles. And to see that like they, you never lose that edge. And in and, and like the way that MJ keeps that rolling. Oh, he's always like always shit talking, always on. It's good stuff. Glad we got to see it. And it's funny that like Larry Bird was a coach for 3 years cuz I just like forget that in my head. And Rick Carlisle was one of his assistants. Yeah, well, they got well, along really well. With... They had in Indiana. Mark Jackson was there too, playing. Yeah, Rick Smith, Chris Mullen. Hell of a team. J- Jalen Rose was there, not starting. Maybe seeing very little run, but he was there. Yeah, he had way more time as a talker than a player. Than on cat. Yeah, like we didn't see any of them in the playing footage. No. One of my favorite guys on that team that I just I enjoyed as a member of late '90s, early to mid 2000s NBA is Dale Dale Davis. Just a fan. Yeah, they said the Davis brothers were on that team, but who was the yeah. other one? Wasn't Antonio? It was. Okay. Twas. Shouts to the Davis brothers. I'm not even sure. Are they actually brothers, or do they just both have the last name Davis? Because I feel like that could also be the case. Well, but one of the announcers absolutely said the Davis brothers. I think that was Jalen Rose. Oh, well, I don't know. Someone said it. No, no, someone said that for sure, but I don't know that they're actually brothers. We'll get research on it. Well, yeah, well, uh. We'll, t- we'll tweet out our, our fact checks, as we always do. Bill Weddington drilled that long-range ra- long jumper. Oh, oh, it's Connor. He's been overwhelmed. <laughs> Just say the Bill Weddington thing again. <laughs> did I say, yeah, it's, I'm sorry. Cut that out. But yeah, Dennis Robbins a legend. Yep, interesting. He's an interesting guy. He leaves after, what is it, between game three and four. He misses practice. And next thing we know, we see him with Hulk Hogan, the WWE event. At the Palace of Auburn Hills. Mm, A little foreshadowing there as well, maybe. Some early 80s malice, 90s malice at the Palace. People paid admission for that one as well. Dennis Rodman could have had a great WWE career, though. Yeah. He totally could have. What a character. And you got a little more Carmen Electra. Got some more Carmen, but I just can't believe that you could just do that. Like, you could just be like, yeah, I'm not going to practice during the NBA Finals. Going for my, going for my third Absolutely straight insane. championship. And I'm just going to fake smack people in the face with chairs with Hulk Hogan rocking the most aggressive spray tan of 1998. Like, the team chemistry stuff is another thing that's so impression or impressive, excuse me, about this crew. And like I, I give so much credit to Phil Jackson. And on some level I know like you have MJ and Pippen, so it's easier it's easier maybe to deal with the third guy just 
doing his sideshow and leaving all the time and just being an absolute character. But I like really appreciate the way Phil handled it in the team. Like that, that they were just cool with it. Like there's footage of him coming back to practice. And I think Jackson's like, Hey, got or Rodzilla. Where you at? And they just like accepted that this is what he does. And it was just an open press conference. And, uh, Phil's like, they were like, Hey, Phil was Dennis at practice today. And he's just like, no. And they're like, was it an excused absence? He's like, Nope, it wasn't. Like, I don't think that would ever happen today. Just the way they all had it unwrapped. Just yeah. paid him no mind at all. We saw a little of it early on in the doc where it's like, Phil, you know, the Zen master, and he just had this way of being like, okay, this is who Dennis is. He's like a zebra, and he needs he needs his grass this length. You know, it was just like his own guy. And it's amazing they, they were able to handle it. I think it was funnier even that we saw how the PR guy had to handle it. Oh, well, that telling, was amazing. He's telling the cameraman after Rodman comes back, he's trying to hide from the press, and he's trying to figure out openly how he's going to get Rodman out of the building without these 300 cameramen. And he tells us how he does it, and then he does it, and then you have shots of camera crews chasing Rodman, literally running up the stairs out of the arena. That man, got, I was screaming. I was like, you gotta go! You gotta go! And he went. He went all right. Just hustling. I was like, what if what if Dennis Rodman like tears something running up these stairs? What if that's how the, what if that's how the dynasty ends? Is Dennis Rodman tears his Achilles running upstairs, avoiding the media after avoiding practice to go to WrestleMania with Hell Hogan. Unbelievable stuff. Yeah. I you know what I think we need to do? Oh, before before we even do that, before we get reflective on this. Last thing. Uh I appreciated Carl Malone going onto the bus to congratulate Michael Jordan. Oh, that was I, cool. think th- I think that was like a classy move. It was cool to see. I feel like that's that was like very cool footage. And not yeah. sneaker sneaker shot of the game. Uh Jordan wearing the fourteens as he walked onto the court for game six. Very nice shot. Really only one we got in two episodes. I'm gonna give my sneaker shot to uh Gus, the security guard, because he was sure. wearing some sick ninety fives on the tarmac on one of these Air Max ninety fives for our listeners. I'm a I'm an avid supporter of those. Had a few pairs. Um, Good for Gus. So you wanted to get reflective before we sign off? Oh yeah, I feel like we. I feel like we should throw some awards. And not that I put any thought into this. And that, like we can just think out loud here. But like you're like I was thinking, what's your favorite cameo? Because you were like, oh, I love seeing uh, Leo. Do you have a favorite cameo of like these ten episodes? Or like let's just rattle off some. Like I, we mentioned Francona last episode. Justin Timberlake. Chicago resident Barack Obama greater than sign President Barack Obama. Okay. Oh, the legalized Kemp sign was great. Not that that was a cameo. Kobe, because it was awesome. Your favorite, like, camera shots? Uh, The Andrea Kramer shot from last week I loved. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very funny. The Jordan shot of the, the baseball bat and the cigar, his foot up. The shot of him wearing that funky outfit staring at the billboard of himself. Sure. I liked um I liked the Pippin one where they come into his hotel room right before he comes back from his little hiatus when he's sitting out with the injury. And like they literally it's it's almost like an exclusive interview, like, Hey, are you coming back? Why are you coming back? Thought that was a great shot. The shot of MJ crying with the championship in ninety six. Because I think most people had seen that, but I but without audio. So like with the audio of him wailing like that, amazing shot. Um, all the 
all the overseas stuff in 92? In France, particularly? Sure. Phil's Puerto Rico footage? Oh, yeah. Phil stuff. I loved getting Scottie Pippen's background. Um, Vegas with Rodman. <laughs> Remember when Rosillo and Bill Simmons said Dennis Rodman wasn't interesting? The fuck? He's interesting. And I don't know. I'm I'm glad this happened. Like when when episode ten ended, did you think, man, what am I like? What am I gonna watch now? Yeah, we got that Lance Armstrong thirty for thirty, or whatever. True. You know what's actually out? Uh, Kevin Durant has one on Showtime. It's just like an hour long about ah. uh, DMV. But I just want to be thankful for the fact that uh, we were able to get this pushed up in quarantine. Because, like, imagine if ESPN still sat on this till, till like, mid-June when they originally planned on airing it. And that is the thing. Like, any, any criticisms that people are going to have of this documentary, you have to add the context that, like, I think when they announced that this was going to be aired, I think maybe three episodes were done. And the rest was just, like, a bunch of editors trying to put this thing together. And I don't think episode 10 was even done until, like, a couple weeks ago. Or, like, last week. So, for them to put this together... I I thought it was super entertaining. I learned plenty. And it like gave me that juice of like wanting NBA hoops to be back. Cuz it's just such a lull right now. And I don't know that I can get into NASCAR. I can't <laughs> to get into just NASCAR. To be honest. <laughs> can't do NASCAR, can't do UFC. The the golf thing today was okay, but like I'm hoping it'll be funnier next week with Tiger and Brady and Manning and uh Phil Mickelson. I'll probably watch that. I told my dad that I would watch seven to ten swings of today's golf thing with Rory and Ricky Fowler. I didn't. I'm sorry, Dad. Unbelievable. Hey. Hey, you did this, though. Good for you. I did laundry. There you go. I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything more sophisticated to round out this, this talk other than I'm, I'm thankful it exists. Yeah, yeah I mean, me too. It's, literally, it's, a, it's a piece of history now. So that footage that was sitting in a vault for 30 years... It's out there. You can watch this. You can go back and watch it. I could binge the whole thing pretty soon. I could as well. Maybe yeah. that day will come. Well, we're going to take a break. We'll be back to talk Listen to Your Heart with our first guest of the pod, Kendall Bennett, one of our dedicated ad sales team members. Do you find it impossible to get a date? Do you strike out with every girl you talk to? Does coming up with the right words seem impossible? Download Easy, the dating app for losers. Easy has eliminated photos, bios, and only lets you communicate with a selection of pre-written statements so that you have a fighting chance of getting your matches to like you before you inevitably blow it in person. Easy, the best dating app in the game for those that don't have any game. So, uh, we're back to talk some Listen to Your Heart with our first guest on the pod, a good friend of the show, member of our ad sales team, and addict of reality love shows kendall bennett kendall how are we i am good thank you for having me i'm honored to be your first guest it only took weeks of begging yeah i mean that that's kind of why you're here i needed to just get it over with <laughs> we had to build our technological confidence first uh-huh. well i'm happy to be here we're happy to have you we needed a, a good extra perspective on the garbage that's been put in front of us, absolutely. Especially this week, because there's been some extra garbage 
with this Matt character. What I do best is analyze garbage. So, <laughs> I mean, you've watched how many seasons, episodes of Love Island across how many countries? <sighs> um, so I've watched all six seasons of the UK version, which is the original. Um, and there's how many episodes in a season? Um, well, there's six seasons, and they average between. There's like two seasons that have like 35 to 40 episodes and the rest have 55-ish. And I watched between quarantine and today, like the start of quarantine and today I have watched all six seasons. And now I'm what halfway do you through season one of Australia. You like UK better or Australia? Um, I think UK is better... I think it's more well done in the UK, but I also think it's like Australia. I'm only watching the first season. They only have two seasons. So I think the second season will probably be a lot better. Um, I tend to like a lot of the drama on Australia more. They're kind of, I feel like with UK, like they're really nice and like, that's great. But Australia, like they're kind of mean to each other and I am here for it. (laughs) There's some, I just go based off the accents to be honest. Like, I, I just, no matter what they're saying, like, the way they talk is funny. And that's yeah. that's what I enjoy when I just, like, watch my sisters watching it. Yeah. I don't need the plot. I just think, like, the terminology they use, hilarious. It's amazing. I mean, I've realized that, like, I need, like, I want to use British slang so badly. And I know that, like, When they I'm talk about, like, a proper like, fit lad. Yeah, like, I'm going to sound like the biggest idiot. But, like, I just want to do it so bad. Like, I love it. Um, Australia is great, though. Once one summer, I picked a lot of that up because uh, when I was a camp counselor, I my my co counselors in my bunk one was English, one was Irish, and one was Scottish. So I just picked up like a ton of terminology that I used for like a few months after that, and then just like it was like no one else was saying, it, and I was like, I don't ha- I don't have the environment for this anymore. Yeah, I feel like it would be better if like love. I mean, Love Island is pretty popular in the U.S., but I feel like if it was a little bit more popular and a little more mainstream, then I would use that terminology because I feel like right now, if I were to use it, most people would look at me like I was crazy. So I'm not going to start doing it. What I love about Australia, though, is like the drama on there, like something that just happened right now is they are spiteful on there. And that's something that like you see a little bit of in American reality TV. It's usually very like produced though. You can obviously tell like the producers are setting it up. Um, and then with the UK version, there's not a lot of spite. Like people will maybe make comments that are kind of, you know, like, I don't know, like they'll make nasty comments here and there, they'll do, but their actions don't, they're not really spiteful. Australia, oh man, something just happened to like two episodes that I was watching. The most spiteful thing I have ever seen on reality television. And I was loving it. I loved every second. It turned one of my favorite characters into the villain. And I was like, wow, she's such a fucking bitch. But I loved it. I loved every second of it. Well, Harry from uh, Too Hot to Handle is Australian. And he's the fucking worst. So I kind of get it. Yeah, he's Australian. You wa- Did Wait, you watch Too Hot to Handle? I watched a few episodes. He's the one who tries to get with the girl with the black hair. And then she gets no, mad at him. No, he gets with the girl. They're, they're dating get, now. Oh, like, yeah. Still. And then she gets mad at him. She gets mad at him because he says she started the thing that cost money or whatever. Yeah, well, they kissed. Well, what happened was they kissed. I he, was Irish. he definitely, He definitely instigated it, but he said she did. 
in front of everybody. Yeah, he made her look. And so I mean, she got mad, and then shh, it was weird. It made no sense, and I don't like that they're together. And sh- they both have, like, she has four million followers on Instagram, and he has nearly three million. Blows my mind. Don't get it. Don't like them. Hate him especially. They're they're both like personality wise, awful. He's to be fair though, the people on Love Island, they're not like him. Not a lot. I mean, Good. maybe, I don't know, maybe in that setting, it's a little different, but they're not, none of them are as bad as him. Like, I don't dislike, there are people I don't like on that show, but I don't dislike anyone as much as I disliked him. But moving on to what we're here for, <laughs> Bachelor, listen to your heart. Yes. The the most important thing that happened, as we all saw, was Matt decided he wasn't ready to continue his relationship with Rudy as the couple's went from Vegas to Nashville to perform their final performances. They each got two songs. Matt just couldn't couldn't make it happen. Terrible for the brand, and to remind you all, that's the brand of guys named Matt, because we're taking over. Not great. Just just really rough for that guy. He just he just couldn't figure it out. I, I in this episode realized how fantastic his beard was and we don't talk about it enough, but that got heavily overshadowed by the fact that uh well he just he just doesn't figure it out and doesn't realize. Connor, you tweeted it well last night. He doesn't get the show. He's just not. He's not very. Pre- he doesn't get what he, what he's doing. Yeah, Kendall. This is what I wanted to bring you in on because, as a reality fan, and like, you think more about like the production and the behind the scenes of some of these shows, probably yeah. more than we do. And I like this really came into play because the whole concept of this is this is the episode where fantasy suites come up, and it really seemed to me like Matt's logic. Or, like, I don't know what the producers were telling him. Um, but, like, he thinks fantasy suites fantasy suites means, like, they have to have sex. And then he's like, well, I can't yeah. do that. We're not on that level. When, like, if, if he really knew what it was, just you're in a room and there's no cameras, he might have been like, okay, we can ride this out. Let's just go sing one more time. Do you think, like, the producers communicated with him well? What about that scene in the last episode when they were, they stayed in that, like, weird lodge on the way to Vegas and they, like went into that one room didn't they sort of allude to something happening there or am well, yeah, I... they did say that was an overnight too yeah it's a good point yeah so i don't know if like sex was that barrier for him i always just feel like i feel like part, sorry to take the stage from kendall who you were trying to give it to <laughs> but fine. i, I feel it's like you do best. he was you're <laughs> you certainly right <laughs> hey this is, this is i my i'm half of the picture on the on the the cover art so <laughs> so kendall what do you think like what do you think of the back and forth that the producers All right. had, if they had any? Like, where do you stand on that? Yeah, well, I think one of the things with Matt, and he literally from the very first episode admitted he's never watched an episode of The Bachelor, of any of The Bachelor shows ever, um, which blows my mind. Because, like, even if you're not a fan, if you don't watch it, if you know you're about to go on this show – don't you think you would go and at least watch a couple episodes to kind of get an idea of what you're getting yourself into? Like, if I knew I was about to go on a reality show that had a ton of seasons before, even though, yes, this is different, but it's still the same. It's the Bachelor Nation. It's They're all the same. I would definitely watch some of the show or at least, like, research it and just be like, what am I signing up for? What type of, like, how does the show work? And he did not do that, clearly, um, which that blows my mind. 
But then with the producers, I don't I don't know what type of interaction they had because I feel like I don't know. I didn't get the impression that to him it was just like, oh, I can't have sex with her. And that's the the deal breaker, because I think, yeah, they did allude that they already did have sex in the, the previous episode. And whether they did or not, like, I don't think that was the deal breaker. I think for him, because you can see even the last episode, you could see him struggling with the fact that, like, he didn't feel like he was on the same page as her. Because, like, when she told him that she was falling in love with him and he didn't um, reciprocate it. I think from his perspective, I think he came across as just, like, a genuinely nice guy to me. And I think he kind of just hit a point where he was like, if I keep doing this, I'm leading her on. Because I think he very obviously came on the show like not knowing the power of the bachelor franchise and i don't think he really came in with the intention of like i'm just here to become famous get instagram followers like yeah i'm sure like obviously the singing part was a huge part of it but i think he hit a point where he was like he probably knew like we are probably gonna win this if they like if they were to have performed and performed the same level that they had the past episodes they would have won like hands down, they would have, and he probably was. So I don't think we agree on ah, that horn. Ah, oh. <laughs> well, I think so, but I think, I think they definitely would have come in second. Yeah. Okay. Rudy okay. was the most talented person with Natasha gone. I can say that, but I, th- I think Matt, I completely agree with you, Kendall. That uh, Matt uh, proves my point continuously that the Bachelor finds people that are very bad, anticipating the obvious. And that comes from Matt not watching. I completely agree. And the way that he refers to Chris Harrison with his full name every time and calls him Chris Harrison <laughs> makes it very evident that he has no idea who well, he's talking about. Chris Harrison about. said this. Chris Harrison said this. <laughs> and yeah, it's a good point. Going off of that, but I just feel like because he hadn't watched the show and doesn't really understand what he was doing, he was completely overwhelmed by what Chris and Bree had and what Jamie acts like all the time. <laughs> What Jamie thinks her and Trevor have. I actually thought that was a, a good thing to bring up because Trevor, when when Matt and Rudy go into that room to like tell the other couples that they're leaving, oh, that was so awful. He says out loud like, "Oh yeah, we're just we're just not like I don't think he kept saying we. Yeah, we're at that place. But then when he said that, like Trevor had this look on his face like, "Oh, like you're not at that place. Like I, I don't think I am. Because like, I don't buy oh, that, shit, he, that he thinks remotely. Right. Right. Well, I think the thing with Matt is that like. Matt, I think, had very much this idea of, like, oh, because Bree and Chris are in love and Jamie thinks her and Trevor are in love and he's like, oh, we're not to that level, so we shouldn't be here. But it's like... That's what I was getting at, yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I wrote down is, like, everyone everyone moves at their own pace. And I think that that's something that, like, people... Like, you see that all the time on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette where some... where like you saw that with uh, Pete this last season of The Bachelor, where he was like said to some of the girls, like you know, because you haven't told me you love me yet, and the other girls have, you're just not there yet. And it's like okay, but like in the real world, that none of those girls probably are in love with you or would have been in love with you outside of the show in that period of time. So they get in this mindset of like, oh, because you're not here at this time it's never going to happen. And in reality, that's not the case. Like in real relationships, there's most like 99% of the time, there's going to be someone who falls in love first and the other person does not reciprocate that yet. That doesn't mean that that relationship needs to end. And I think he went into it thinking because he got so wrapped up and overwhelmed 
with the whole show and how much pressure there is on people to like be in love and be so committed from day one, basically. I think he just got overwhelmed and was like, I'm not there. Not saying he won't ever get there, but it's like he just freaked out. And the rumor, something he said, I actually saw him on a podcast where he came out after the show and he actually said him and Rudy are talking again because he realizes that like he got overwhelmed and they're back. They're not together, but they, Fuck yeah. they're, and they're like, hell they, yeah. They talk like every single day. So I think he's kind of that. Yeah. I see the shit out of them. That's fantastic. Need that. Yeah. I would also like to a little tangent. I saw a fantastic tweet during the show last night of someone comparing. I don't know if you guys are friends fans comparing Matt. I've seen my to, fair share of episodes. I've watched it. Hornick doesn't watch TV. So <laughs> I've seen. Fight me, Weingarten. So, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the episode when Chandler had like the crazy roommate, and his roommate's like really, really insane. Well. Uh, basically, they did a side-by-side of Matt and Chandler's crazy roommate, and they said, Matt looks like his roommate without a beard. And the audience will not see this, but I just I'm, I just want to show you guys this. Oh, I know that actor. I That's forget his good. name. But, yeah, I see it. I, I was laughing. His name's like Adam – I think his name's Adam Goldberg. Not kidding. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Do you think anyway, they'll cast continue. more people like Matt, assuming they have a second season of this? Like, do you think that they, they're going to cast more people that, quote unquote, get the show? Because I feel like there wasn't a lot of, aside from like the Julia thing, there wasn't like a lot of Bachelor type drama. And I feel like people maybe wanted more of that. I liked the musical performances, but do you think they'll lean towards the old stuff? More drama? Well, I think they will naturally find a Brandon or two. To just stir the pot and do some dumb shit. Yeah. And fuck with some other people's minds. I think if they do bring it back, there's going to be a lot of changes to the show. What do you think? What kind of changes? Um, I think number one is I think that they... Well, first off, I think they need to make it longer. And I know they made it short because it was like, we're testing out this new thing. But I think it moved too fast. Like, I don't feel like... I think I heard Chris Harrison on a different podcast say they had like this time frame because they had to get it done before Bachelorette, yeah. which didn't happen, like didn't end up happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's why they like shortened it. So I'm yeah, I'm sure yeah. they're gonna have some adjustments. Yeah, and I think there needs to be more like I don't know, like the people. I just I feel like they turn it into a they say it's it's a singing competition. Yeah, there's the love aspect, but it's a singing competition. It's like okay, well, like there are. Most of the people on the show, we never even heard sing. Like, most of the people that from day one, we never heard them sing. And I think that, like, they should somehow make it, like, everyone performs, like, a solo on day one. Or, like, something, I don't know, maybe that's stupid. Like, instead, like, of, like, instead of, like, that ceremony where you knock out 16 people on night one of the Bachelor, they all have to sing, like, a bit of a song or something? Yeah, and then it's... Here's something crazy. Oh, God. Sorry. Just... <laughs> had a wow one they bring in like 40 or so people to start maybe even more they make them like speed date sort of people match up they perform together and then there's like a sort of vetting process from there and then you get to the mansion i'm into that that can be kind of wild and hornick your idea that came up earlier in the season kendall we'll need your thoughts on this when um savannah and sheridan go home 
Matt had this idea that they should have stayed and they should have performed together as a couple. You think that would have yeah. made that would have made it way better, right? Yeah. Yeah, the only problem is they clearly weren't into each other, so it's not allowed based on the rules of the show. Rumor has it that Savannah had a boyfriend the entire time and only came on the show to further her career. And he just basically gave her the okay of like, do what you need to do. Date your career. Hell yeah. I don't like, I can't personally confirm that, but I know like I have seen multiple things about it. And I know there's been reports of people who've been like, I have had multiple people approach me and be like, yeah, this is what's going on. So I don't know. It would make sense. Yeah, I think I think it does. She I, she gave off. Well, I don't know. I couldn't really get a read on her, and maybe that's like the best explanation for yeah her behavior and like that she had someone else on the outside. What did you guys think? Like once Rudy and Matt leave, like there was twenty minutes into the show, and then I was like, what am I going to do for the next ninety minutes? Like, what were you looking forward to after that? Cause I was like, I just stopped I paying know. attention. Like the rest of it's just a blur. Like it's such a blur. Like they performed. Jewel cried. Tay Diggs was there. They really tried to build the arc. Like Jamie and Trevor might actually win, and they did. A, they really had me for a sec. But like, it's really kind of a blur. They built the arc well until Bree and Chris sang. <laughs> the second they sang, it was like, oh, they're. Trevor's not winning. Like, I, I just didn't care. And do you think, like, another producer behind the scenes thing that I'm completely speculating on, the fact that they give them two songs, did they have an inkling that Matt was piecing out and they needed to fill time so they each get two songs instead of one? Did anyone else think no. that? No, I think they would have done so. that. Right. I think it made it just a lot harder to fill all that time. I mean, they literally had to go yeah. 90 minutes. I guess they, they did a little more on the rehearsal. With Chris and um, Bree, they like that was yeah, a little more in depth did. than usual. I kind of like that. And that was that was weird though, where they did like with Chris and Bree, where all of a sudden it was like, oh, things are off between them, and then it was just never addressed again. And it was like you could just tell it was like this is pushy. Like they're really reaching. Oh, this. they're stretching. It they out. just. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like the only real competition they had bounced, so they had to pretend like there was actual competition just to keep us kind of hooked. And I'll I'll admit that I bit. I bit. But again, I just didn't care as much because I knew that Rudy wasn't performing and she's unbelievable. Well, they had to make the – And her pants are fantastic. Yes. Pants pants game out of control. (laughs) Every every episode she had – her pants got better and better. But I think with like – yeah, with Chris and Brie, like they had to make their biggest competition like themselves because clearly like Jamie and Trevor were not – strong competitors for them like i don't think without that drama between chris and brie it would have no one would have ever thought like oh yeah jamie and trevor have a chance at winning this like i don't think that Which that we, what even was the drama it brie said she's maybe not ready to get married or something or what was the oh the fantasy suite she just said no to the fantasy suite but then it what, what blew my mind is i i wrote this down where she talks about during the rehearsal where she was like you know like Basically saying how she turned up down the fantasy suite and she's like, you know, like, I think like that, that helps build a deeper connection, all this. And we just are missing that because we didn't have that opportunity last night. And I'm like, okay, clearly that's a producer having you say that because 
you have not slept in the same bed or hotel room any other night on this show and it has not once been a problem so why is it suddenly a problem so like clearly they just needed some sort of drama so they were like oh like just made it seem like it's a problem that you turned it down two things on this one how bummed do you think chris was when she said it i feel like he was pretty cool with it but deep down maybe he he played it just really well and two breeze from provo utah She's is she mormon. a mormon she question is. mark yeah. is she yeah, yeah. confirmed so yeah, she's. I'm pretty sure she says it on the first episode. Like, there's some. Yeah, it. It's been. I knew she was young, and she, she's she's already been. She's young to have already been divorced. She was engaged. So she never actually. Oh, she was it. engaged. Oh, yeah. right, right, okay. That well, that's the other Excuse thing. Me. That's the other thing with it, where I don't think he was necessarily super surprised by it, because I think like if he, I'm sure he knows that she's Mormon. So that being said, I highly doubt he was like, yeah, she's just gonna like fuck me on TV. Like, no, like, I, do, I really doubt that any part of him genuinely thought that was going to happen. That being said, my other thought is everyone thinks that, like, oh, if we go to the fantasy suite, we have to have sex. Like, no, you don't. That's just an opportunity. And even even like past people on The Bachelor and Bachelorette have said that, like, yes, it is an opportunity to have sex, but it doesn't always happen because sometimes it's just an opportunity to, like, be alone without cameras for the first time it's the i mean it's the most amount of time you get by far with no cameras on you yeah so if you're ever to actually be together outside of the show like that's where you could ask questions that you don't feel comfortable asking on camera yeah so like my question is like why would you ever turn that down even if they've even said there's been people in the past on the show who have gone to the fantasy suite and just been there without cameras and then when it was time to go to bed they left like they didn't even go to sleep there. They were just like, "Yeah, we're gonna, we're just gonna use the room to not have cameras on us, and then when it's time to go to bed, we're gonna leave." So my thing is like, why didn't they do that? Like, why didn't Bree choose to do that? Because like, why? I just don't understand why anyone would turn down that opportunity. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't fleshed out like it would be in a bachelor or bachelorette, where they would have because they would have the ITMs and they would ask them about it and they would say, "Oh, yeah. I don't know if I want to do this. Like, I've thought about it." And they have the long, drawn-out date where they talk about it. That didn't really happen in this. Going off of that, I thought the one thing really missing from Matt and Rudy's breakup or ending, whatever the hell we want to call it, was that Chris Harrison fake friend moment, as I'm going to call it, where he just pulls up out of nowhere to the to the lead and is like, hey, man, so I heard what happened. <laughs> is everything okay? Yeah. That's what that was missing. I needed it. I, I needed it. It would have it really f- com- fully fleshed out the whole the whole moment we well, maybe it could happen because they don't even they don't even know his name first of all so like yeah. they, well, we don't, they can't we don't have that, get that at all during the show though that's the thing is that's a part that we're missing like he doesn't talk to anyone about their relationship except when they're on stage in front of the judges so you had a rough week this week tell us about it like that's the only time that he ever addresses them you never see any sort of, I would have liked to see more of that. Obviously, there's not like a lead, but it would be interesting to see. I think that's a way they could have really utilized him because it's a way to be like, okay, like you're still playing that role, but now you get to do it for all of these people rather than just the lead. And that I feel like that would have been really interesting to see him in that role. That being said, they were also filming this while The Bachelor was on air and he was doing a ton of press for The Bachelor. So my guess is he probably was not available for a lot. That's my... Chris Harrison, we're on to you. 
we're on to you. We 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 know that you're a pillar of bullshit. Strong words. Yeah, I said that. I wonder if you're just a you're just a fake one. I wonder if they were to run this back, and maybe they would do a different host, who's like Mm -hmm. a who's like a little musically inclined, and who gets the batch. What if it was like Caitlin Bristow? She has a track out now, right? Have you heard this, Kendall? I love Kristen Bristow or Caitlin Kristen Caitlin Bristow. I yeah, I heard her music. It's not amazing but it's not great but like she's she's musically talented or chase rice can host chase rice is by far the biggest person to benefit from that season of the bachelor i shit you not do you know who i would have absolutely loved to see come on the show and i know maybe it is kind of fueling the whole idea of like it's rewarding bad behavior but something would that would have added a lot of drama i would have loved to see them bring jed on I'm with it. Maybe next Maybe next season. Yeah, like, it is rewarding bad behavior of him, like, abusing the situation, but that would have made for amazing television. But he does. Doesn't he have a girlfriend? Maybe that's why. Didn't, because that's mattered stop, to him yeah, in the past? Yeah, that didn't stop him but, the first time. But it's, like, public. But, like, theoretically, it matters to the producers, I guess is my point. Have you guys heard about the quarantine singer? Nope. No? So, so do you guys know, you know what the masked singer is, the show, right? Oh, so, Jesus. No, no, no. I know just, all about No, just wait. So, Shouts to Levitard. <laughs> yeah, Con- Connor and I can have a moment on this after where we do that thing where we promote other shows, but Kendall, continue. I, I actually do watch, watch The Masked Singer. I'm a, I'm a fan. But I started watching it because I heard a clip from it last season. Um, I saw it on, like, Twitter or something, and it was the Thanamajig, which is Victor Oladipo, and I'm a fan of Victor being a basketball fan, I'm a fan of his music. I've, I actually like listen to his music actively and I instantly recognize his voice. And I was like, Ooh, I'm going to watch this show. And then I got super sucked in because I'm like, I realized that I'm actually really good at guessing people. Anyway, tangent, but I, I enjoy it. And I like guessed who everyone was. And let me, loved it. let me add on to this tangent because for my job, <laughs> I watched like an unhealthy amount of Indiana Pacers games early on in the season. And like literally the first three, four weeks of the season while Victor Oladipo's out, like not playing, it's a story on the home broadcast every week about the masked singer. And then like when they <laughs> finally revealed it was him, he comes on the broadcast and they like interviewed him and it was a whole thing. So I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I knew it was Victor Oladipo before I even knew what the show was. Like I had kind of heard of what the show was, but I didn't really like, I didn't really understand what it was. Um, like during the first season, I didn't really, I didn't watch it. I hadn't really seen clips or anything. And then I, it was, I think it was just someone had retweeted some, I don't know what it was, but something showed up on my feed and it didn't say anything about this is Victor Oladipo. It was just like, oh my God, look at this performance. Like, it's really good. And I was like, oh, this is weird. I clicked on it and I was like, what is this? Cause I recognized the voice and I was like, what is this show? And I looked and I'm like, oh, it's celebrities. And then I was like, oh, that's Victor Oladipo's voice. That's why I know that voice. And I instantly knew. And then I got sucked in. And then I started, like, guessing all the other characters. And I got, like, almost everyone right. Thank you. But <laughs> so I'm I'm invested this season, too. Kendall, do you think Trevor's a shitty name? A shitty name? I, I think it's a pretty, I don't know, normal, average name. Why? I mean, I asked Connor last week. We both said we wouldn't want it. Oh, God. Okay, so what I was saying, the whole quarantine singer. So I saw this. I don't know how I found this, 
but basically there's some like shitty media outlet that I've never even heard of that does a lot of like, Jeez, hope they're not, hope they're not listening. Yeah. Sorry. Um, they, they do a lot of like reality TV coverage and stuff. Um, and they're doing this thing during quarantine where they're recreating the masked singer, but they're doing it with all reality dating show or no, not even dating, just reality show contestants. So they're doing everything from like, they have people on from the circle, love is blind, all the bachelor and bachelorettes, um, big brother. Like they have a bunch of people and they, they're not all singers. Like who from the circle has gone on? I don't know. I, I haven't really watched, watched it cause it's really bad. And it's done in like IGTVs. It's like really poorly done. It's just disaster. I had just seen something about it on Twitter and the first contestant on who got voted off because everyone knew who it was was Jed. No way. <laughs> yeah. Did he do was... did he do the dog food jingle? Oh god. I don't even know what he said. I didn't watch the performance, but um but yeah, that was my that was my tangent on Jed. But no, I would have actually liked to see him on the show because as much as like I don't like him and I don't want to reward that type of behavior. I feel like they needed something like that to make the show a little more interesting. Because I felt like the drama that happened was good. There just wasn't enough of it. But I also think a part of that was that they were only there for a couple weeks. It wasn't long. It was like, if you would have put them in a little bit longer. They'll also learn and cast better. And it's just something like you don't have the built-in advantage. First of all, like anytime you start a brand new TV show, there's going to be those kinks. But yeah. with any season of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, you have you have some kind of predisposed notions coming in. Like when you have The Bachelor yeah. and you have Pete, you know about him. You always have a main character who you're at least a little invested in or you want to see how they react. And then a couple episodes in, you have five or six new characters, depending on the season, who are interesting. So I, yeah. I don't maybe they'll like they'll be on the hunt for influencers already like to to do this music show or maybe they'll just keep doing it like this and have just a different formula maybe they they just have like a one-off show where it's not it's not all this bachelor drama as much but they'll they'll find a new formula i think but i think it like it has some kind of staying power yeah i say they bring back brandon every season see what how much uh just nonsense he can i truly like i truly did not understand why all the women were like in love with him like i really like what was so amazing nothing against him like i'm sure like it made sense like yeah he was like a a decent looking guy like he had a fine voice whatever but like nothing about his personality not even the stuff he did like behind the scenes it was just like the way he talked to women to their face and his personality like he didn't have a good personality and it was just like why are like because he had so many women even before a bunch of people got eliminated he had so many women going after him and i'm like he must be way more attractive in person because like i truly just don't understand like do this many women just love him like calling them sweetie every other second like i don't know i just i didn't get it i've i he exudes handsome guy confidence so that's all i've ever thought that he he must. I've I've believed something similar that he just must be that handsome, because he just exudes like he just looks at people and things go his way. Oh, maybe that's yeah. Just I mean, his, his his confidence was like just just through the roof. I mean, when he like, unbelievable, Ken, Kendall, this moment where he 
sits at the breakfast table with Ryan and Natasha, and then Julia oh! comes in and sits down, <laughs> and, and and Savannah's like earmuffs, and then she like asks him this question about whether if Savannah had said yes, would he still be with Savannah? And he says yes, so, and he answers the question while she's sitting right next to him. Like, if that's not the definition of overconfident asshole, then I don't know. He almost said it like Savannah was going to come back, and he still had a chance with her. Also, like, yeah, I mean, in that situation, like, why not just fucking lie? <laughs> like, if you're really going to go through all this effort, like, you might as well lie at that point. But, okay, my question with that is that I have to look at that from Julia's perspective. If I were Julia in that situation, if I felt the, if I was told to use earmuffs, that would right away, red flag. Red flag. Like, there's no way, there's no way she didn't hear him, right? That And then she plays it off, she plays it off at the performance, like, she just finds out. The whole thing was Yeah, and then she blames Natasha. Also, people villainize Natasha for that. I don't think it was that bad, because personally, like, I get that they're, they're mad about the timing or whatever. No, she's just playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. She's smart. Big brain. Also, like... When else was she supposed to tell her? Was she supposed to just wait? Like, I think I'm the type of person where, like, if I were Julia, I would be like, tell me the second you know. The second you get the opportunity to tell me, I want to know. And the fact that, like, ever, like everyone got, like, I remember Jamie got mad at her and then was like, oh, she's, you know, she she really manipulated the situation, blah, blah, blah. Like, first off, Natasha was the best singer in the house. She did not need to manipulate any situation. Like she didn't. Need yeah, but you know, you know what else she didn't need to manipulate though? She did not need to manipulate that Ed Sheeran song. Oh, to be fair, she I botched think that, it. I think that yeah, that was more Ryan. I put a lot of that on Ryan. And then it huh? sucks because she because she kind of fucked it up. But it's like I don't blame her for that because she she didn't create that arrangement. That arrangement like. Anyone is going to mess that up because that was such a difficult arrangement to, like, pull off. That even if you pulled it off, it still wouldn't have been good. But Ryan just wanted to be like, look at me, I can play guitar. And I wear glasses and say likewise. <laughs> That's my joke. And, and hey, hey, Natasha, adjust gonna... my microphone stand seven times while I try to strum and play the mic, that hold the weird. mic at the same time. And do a big like, John Mayer impersonation. And I'm a, and I'm a Ryan fan, and I know Connor, you're gonna like, you're gonna hate it this, was... but I liked Ryan. Ryan was I wanted Ryan to win. I liked him. I just think like there were <laughs> so the situations where the two of it. them. I think the two of them just overperformed. I said this I think last episode. I think like if you just do like I know that Ed Sheeran song, they, it was like supposed to have the Beyonce remix in it or whatever. But like the first twenty seconds of that song they did last week. I was all in. And then they're like, you can't see this because it's a podcast, but they're all moving and grooving too much, and they ruined it. Well, because Ryan wanted to be like, look at me, I play guitar. I think the thing with Ryan that I kind of caught on, so I I don't know if maybe Hornet knows this. I So I did music all, like, growing up. I wasn't a singer, but I was a musician, and I actually went to school. I was like, I was a music minor, all the shit. Anyway, so I... I have been around those people a lot. And I think I feel like I kind of saw through Ryan because I know people. I know Ryans. I know the Ryans of the world who he is a he's a good looking guy, but he's a little bit more like dorky, kinda I guess you could kind of be like, oh, a little more hipster, whatever. 
typical white guy who can play piano and guitar. To be fair, that's not special. Like, there are a million Ryans in the world just as talented as him. So I think when you're in a situation like him, you have to go out of your way to be like, how can I make myself different from all these people who are the exact same as me? And I think that's kind of his thing is that he, I just always got that frame where he was always just trying to like be different. But it's like, I feel like he was, especially him and Natasha together, like he was talented enough and she was beyond talented enough to where they didn't need to do that. But I think that came out in him where he was like, I need to, I need to do something different. I can't just sing this song by another white guy and be a white guy singing the song and just have it sound like I feel like he felt that need to like I need to do something different with it when in reality like if he would have just they could have literally copy and pasted Ed Sheeran and Beyonce's version and they would have easily made it through to the next round and it would have been Jamie and Trevor going home I bet he sneers at a lot of mainstream pop music he said that uh I follow him on Instagram and he said the other day, he, he posted a video on a story, and he said that his favorite music genre is hip-hop. Interesting. And Hornick, Not you know what? Perform, that whole but... soliloquy by Kendall is a reason we shouldn't have guests on. Because, like, my analysis of Ryan is, like, he says likewise, so forget that guy. And then there's Kendall all thoughtful with the music <laughs> background, and now we just look like dumb idiots. So there we have it. Is this why you didn't bring me on for sports, too? I'm You're smarter than us on sports, too. Yikes. I know. You guys bring me on for The Bachelor, which I appreciate, but little known fact, I also work in sports. <laughs> I could have been brought we on know, the We sports know that. All right. One, that was no- – <laughs> two, th- two things. One, Connor, I see it in the inverse. I think that's a great reason to have guests, add depth Thank to our you, content. Hornick. You're right. You're right. I appreciate that. Secondly, uh, Kendall, to full disclosure, as our awkward transition that started the segment might have shown – we recorded parts one and two of this podcast separately, uh, and I drunkenly texted Connor after the last dance ended, you want a fucking podcast? Let's <laughs> fucking podcast. And then we and and then we podcasted. Do you have any more? Wait, we could, let's get Kendall's so, thoughts on the last dance. Sorry. I don't have, I feel like we covered the listen to your heart plenty. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I okay. Ask me like a specific question because that's very broad. <laughs> Does Michael Jordan have a gambling problem? Currently or ever? Always. I mean, yeah. I, I think that's pretty obvious. Here's here's my overall takeaway. Is that I feel like I, I don't know. I feel like I have a different opinion than a lot of people that I've seen, at least on like Twitter and stuff. Where I feel like a lot of people say like, oh, did this make him look bad? Or, but I don't feel like I learned anything significant that changed my opinion of him. I feel like everything that I, like there are definitely things that I learned. But I don't think that anything I learned made me look at him any differently. I feel like I've known that he is an amazing basketball player. He puts winning before anything else. I've known that he is an asshole about it. Like, none of this is news to me. There are other things that I learned that I thought were very interesting about, like, other. I felt like my favorite parts were by far, like, all the Dennis Rodman stuff, even though a lot of that still was, like, known I feel like just having it all in one place at the same time was very interesting. Dennis Rodman redefined uh, work-life balance, and it's remarkable. I wish that I could have his sort of mindset of just like, once you're off the clock, you're off the clock. (laughs) Well, no, you can't. 
You live in the era of Twitter. It's well, not it allowed. Is, I worked in. You could never do that in, in 2020. Media, which means I don't. 1998 have was a different hey, don't we time. We wish yeah. we had Phil Jackson as our manager. To when we were just going to book it out of town and we come back and he's like, "Hey, Rodzilla, what's going on? How was your? Uh, how was WWE? Yeah. Final finals game four tomorrow. You ready? <laughs> hey, hey, you hit that guy with a chair. Hit that guy with a chair. Was it cool? Did, did you did you fake it? Was it real? <laughs> I think um, I think my only like real like did you guys watch the thing tonight on um espn with or i just was on abc with Stephen a smith so like after the dance no my dad called me about it i haven't watched it but i'm curious to see what that is um but i think my only like major takeaway is just i still am skeptical about so much of what was said because clearly jordan was a big person behind the creation of this. So he had to kind of approve everything that got put in. And I think who was it that came out either today or Forrest yesterday? Grant today. I, yes, yes. Who came out and was like, basically, not saying that I believe him more so, but it's like he basically came out and was like, he's the one who helped make this. Of course, of course it's going to be leaning, favoring him and all these. Like, so I, it makes me a little more skeptical that like, because of how involved Jordan was in the doc, it does make me question a lot. I feel like I could go off a lot on a lot of, in a lot of directions with this on my opinions. I also think like the major thing is like the timing of when he kind of approved for this to happen was right after LeBron won in Cleveland. And the whole thing was like, oh, now LeBron's the goat. And all of a sudden Jordan's like, okay, let's do, let's do the doc. Like, he suddenly had this moment where he's like, oh, I have direct, like, this is becoming a real thing now, not just like a silly conversation. It's becoming a real legitimate, someone might be better than me. And he came out and we'll, we'll let the Jordan MJ or Jordan LeBron debate be a, a different topic. But sounds like you're I team LeBron. I, definitely had... I would like to say as far away from this conversation yeah. as possible. However, I would like to raise the question. Did this documentary raise all the wrong questions? Like from the perimeter, from people like us or people with more viewers like ESPN and such, are they asking are we are are we looking are we looking at all of us? Are we all looking at this the wrong way? Are we What do you mean? Maybe not us. I think we do great work on this podcast that no one listens to. But is ESPN blowing it? Did this did this create all the all the wrong my, questions? I guess my reply would be, "What is the question you think should be asked that hasn't been asked, or what's yeah. the discussion that's missed?" Well, I mean, obviously, ESPN's not going to dig into the things that we can see on Twitter about like, is the pizza story bullshit? Was he drunk? All those like yeah. things, whatever. Like nitpicking the details of the documentary that they produce. Obviously, we're not, not going to get those things. Yeah. So part of the problem is what Kendall brought up that it's not this as we discussed on previous episodes. This sort of beacon of journalistic integrity. It's a, no, it's very biased. I mean, I, I'm not surprised that it happened because I could I saw it coming from a mile a hundred miles away. But I would I wish we were above like airing the first two episodes and then first take the following day just having a straight up LeBron Jordan debate. I, I I'm sorry that I wish we were better than that. Actually I'm not sorry that I wish we were better than that. We should be we should we should be better than that. That's such I mean, obviously, we know base level disgusting, like not helpful 
sports debate. Yeah. And especially in this – in like the time we're in right now, like you have time to be thoughtful. You have time to like look at these at these two hours of Michael Jordan and 1998 Chicago Bulls documentary and think about what you've seen and try to derive deeper meaning from it. I, I, I just wish we could do that as a collective of people that consume sports. I think I've gone to the point where like I am just so tired of it. Like as someone – who consume sports media, who works in sports media. Like I've had times at work where like I've had to, luckily like my, my job, we haven't done a lot of like LeBron versus Jordan stuff, but there have definitely been like, I run, I run an Instagram account where I'll do like a Q and a every couple of weeks. And the, and the most asked question is MJ or LeBron. I'm like, I just don't answer it. I just skip it. And I go then cause I'm like, I just don't care. Yeah. I, I'll just touch on your thing quick hornet before we get like way too long on this i think i think that documentary served its purpose and i think at every two episodes you had a whole week to flesh out whatever arguments you wanted to have i don't like i don't think there's i don't think there's anything that we missed in terms of like discussion or questions were asked i think everything that could have been brought up was brought up by like people on twitter um people on the internet people in newspaper columns wherever you find writing and discussion of sports I think I think everything was hit on, and whatever you wanted out of this documentary, people wanted different things. I think I think it delivered. I mean, six million people watched it every single week. If you were a kid, you saw what people were talking about forever. All these people were talking about how great Michael Jordan is. You saw it. Uh, you saw what he was like as a teammate. It confirmed a lot of things you read. So I think I think it was fine. It missed the boat some places, but I don't think like the criticism. It's all out there. So, like, I don't, I don't I don't, buy the fact that there's stuff we missed in talking about it. I think it was what it was, and now it's a, it's a history document we can all look back on however often we want. Should we get back to the, the Bachelor? I got nothing else on the fucking Bachelor. <laughs> Wait. Like, Matt ruined it. I stopped caring. I, Chris wore that ugly sweatshirt at the beginning. Have, oh, you got something, Kendall? I have, a couple, I have a couple good points I would like to make, a couple of notes. So... We didn't talk about Jamie and Trevor at all. That's fine. I, so I just want to say this. I hated both of them because Trevor, you can tell, is just faking it. Like he doesn't give a shit about her and he's just faking it the whole way. Jamie drives me insane. Most of my notes, like every couple notes, it's being like, Trevor, shut up. Jamie, shut up. Like those are like half of my notes because I just like hated watching them. But um, one thing I will say, so I think Rudy needs to go to Paradise. I'm with it. Yes, that. I see Connor. Connor and I said, Matt, opinions. Oh, what? Well, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> I thought you would have a stronger reaction to that. No, I'm with it. Okay, I think she would be a great. Like paradise. it's it's weird for me. I, it's weird for me to like consider these people part of the the universe. They just they're so different. Like I I know that they have a talent. Yeah. And that's like a huge thing that's like separates them from a lot of people in the rest of the other shows. Yeah, that's true. But I think I don't know. They've never officially said one way or the other if these people are like gonna be on paradise but i don't see why not like if they have people that like they definitely yeah, are like, i feel like there would be less of them 
on Paradise than other shows, but, like, why not? Why would you not put... I could easily see, like, Rudy and Jamie being on Paradise. Even Trevor. I could see them being on Paradise. The fun thing that I wrote about Trevor, I would like to say, so, Trevor, it's known, he was on American Idol. Not only did you lose American Idol, Trevor, which is a singing competition, you lost the Bachelor version of a singing competition. I think this man needs to give up on reality singing competitions because if he can't even win the Bachelor singing competition... He, he needs to he needs to chill out. Hey, it's not his fault that he's faking love with someone he's eight years older uh, than rumor, to progress his own another career. Rumor, he broke up with her within like two weeks of the show end. Of course. Shocker. Little surprise there. Yeah. I was like surprised they made it off of the off the stage. You know what, Kendall, before we wrap, I, I just want to know what's your favorite show in the Bachelor world? Or how would you rank them? Paradise. Um, and now we find out. Are you a sexist? Do you like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette more? It depends. Because I feel like it really depends on the lead and the season. Because I feel like there's been seasons of The Bachelor that I've liked more than The Bachelorette. Season of The Bachelorette I've liked more than The Bachelor. I think overall, I probably would have to say The Bachelorette. I like above The Bachelor just because I feel like the drama between guys is a little bit more entertaining to watch for me personally. And maybe that's just because like with female drama, watching that, it's less interesting to me because it's like I live in that world. You're over I've it. Experienced. Yeah, it's like I've experienced that. So watching like guys argue is way more entertaining to me because that's not that's like newer to me. Um, but I would say, uh, Matt, going back to the intro, above all, Love Island is far superior than every Bachelor show combined. Well, uh, before we move on to Big Ups, uh, those of you who listen to this pod might realize that with both The Last Dance and Listen to Your Heart Ending, we don't have any anything to talk about anymore. And we may, we've mentioned in the past that we have new ideas, but we just wanted to give you a quick little preview oh, no. of some things that are in the works. Uh, starting with, again, these are still they're rough ideas. We have some concrete plans and they'll be coming out with some new audio content for your ear holes soon uh we're gonna do a little reflective series on life after college connor and i have discussed this a lot it's gonna involve our good friend salisa colacle so another person who i've discussed these topics with thoroughly we're gonna bring on other guests discuss what it's like both people younger than us older than us discuss this adjustment to adulting you know my opinion on that Nothing good. You'll come back on. You'll come back on. Nothing nothing good. You have plenty of time. Kendall, you're the first guest. You're officially a friend of the show. You are the friend of the show. Oh, yeah. I'm also on your staff, so. Yeah, you are also a dedicated member of the ad sales team. We're legally obligated to not forget about you. Uh, Along with that, we've considered other things that would go along with maybe a second episode per week. Again, these are ambitious things. I don't want to say too much. But just other interviews conversations learning about people having fun whatever what it's whatever we want to do right connor that's right couldn't have said it any better you're eloquent as always you have a big ups for this week before we get out of here i just feel like you're always under i feel like you're always undermining me no is this really your big tease that you told me about like i can't tell you what it is did i really promise a whole lot because i wasn't trying to promise (laughs) that much but i had a little higher expectation 
for you, Hornet. We're just trying to get deep. We're, we're not. We're not trying to. I told you you weren't going to expect it. Life after college. Did is I at least rough. get that part right? Yes, you did. But Connor, do you have a big ups? Um, your hair's looking nice. I'll go short and sweet. My hair. Oh god. Now I'll go. Um. Yeah, I know. I mean, mine's long too, but you're. It's looking nice right oh, now. Oh, Connor. The Zoom camera is making you look good. Connor, your tweet today was incredible. Thanks. Oh well, for I guess for context, I tweeted that my hair is looking puffy because it is. Because like whenever I wash it, when it gets to this length, it goes like, it it poofs. You can't see my hand because this is an audio format. But, well, you didn't just yeah. tweet that your hair is getting poofy. You tweeted that your boss called you out about your hair being poofy. He did, yeah. It was the first observation he made that my hair was poofy. So you know what? How about big ups to my boss? <laughs> he, he won't be listening to this. Um, no, actually, big ups to the weather. I played a little golf last week, this weekend, and we got a new grill at my house. We've been, been having some good barbecue. So I'm looking forward to more nice weather. What do you got, Horn? Uh, well, I want to give big ups to butane. <laughs> It's a weird one, but I'm serious. Lighters are great. Uh, I have an electric stove, and I was walking to the grocery store <laughs> the other day, and I decided I wanted to make some s'mores at home, and I knew I could do that with just a lighter, so I bought all the s'mores ingredients, and I've been making s'mores, and it's been killer. I've I've been enjoying myself thoroughly with a capital T. Hornet and I FaceTimed earlier tonight, and all he's doing is holding a marshmallow lighting it on fire with a lighter just talking to me normally like nothing is going on and i'm like what are you doing like why are there flames it was like oh i'm making s'mores (laughs) just so casually it was dope and by and by the time i was at the end of my bag of marshmallows so i was really used to it at this point kendall do you have a big up before we sign off after an hour of whatever the hell we've been talking about i do So, I would like to introduce you guys to my newest favorite thing. Um, I was just recently introduced. Shout out to Dean Brian Roberts, or was it Assistant Dean, Associate Dean, whatever, of the Ithner College Roy H. Park School. He tweeted out about an account named Shaq DJs Anything. And it is literally an account that tweets out the video of Shaq. Remember he did like an IG live where he's DJing. And- DJing in this yes. kitchen. So it is that clip. And they, all they do is just. Is it, it's the one where, is it the one where his sons and are like jamming out and the ones get yes, on the counter and stuff? That clip. So this account only Good. posts this clip. But every time they post it, they post like 10 a day. And every time they post it, it's to a different song. And I have never i've literally like last night dean roberts like tweeted something he was like something about like life getting hard he's like and when things are complicated i just go to shaft dj's anything and everything becomes okay again so naturally i was like oh i need to check this out i would be lying if i spent less than an hour just watching these videos of the same video repeatedly to different songs it is incredible. So if you if you have some, a spare hour or two, I would suggest it. Is it better than the video that's come from the Jordan doc okay. of Michael Jordan listening to his headphones? Because I've watched a lot of those. You should follow Michael Jordan jamming out on Twitter it's for very those. Similar. It's this fantastic clip. And I mean, I love those. They did one to the Zoe 101 theme song. I saw that. Killer. I saw that. Absolutely. It's killer. the same concept. I think that. Um, 
I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say one is better than the other. Cause I think it just depends. I think that's personal preference. I'm not going to, I'm not. We're gonna, here for takes Kendall. I need you. I, I need you to, Shaq. I need a declaration I Shaq because I think Shaq is funnier and more entertaining than MJ. So I'm going to go with Shaq for that reason. I think it's just because I love '90s vibes. I love seeing Jordan in his with his weird '90s headphones on that bus with the hat and the tiny sunglasses, wow. and then just love Sosa by Chief Keef blasting. There's also a version of, or a side of Jordan we don't see often, and I feel like the the crazy wild side of Shaq we see often. Very fair. But yeah, that's my big ups. Check it out if you haven't. <laughs> There's also one of Jordan. Jamming out to Fireflies by Owl City. I mean, the list is long. I'm so- any song you want, it's on there. Yeah, we're, eventually. Another shout out to one of my all-time favorite Love Island couples just announced that they are having a baby. Who are they? Well, isn't that yeah. special? Shout out to them. Good for you. Some. Do you think they'll name it XAE? Not a chance. Twelve. The girl, the one, I guess the one who's actually pregnant. She previously dated Prince Harry. Huh. The kid's probably going to be like Alexander or Alexandra or something like that. <laughs> you can cut that out. <laughs> that's, that's, no, that's it. That's all we got left. Connor, any, anything more for the kids? No. Should we do like a like thanks for coming on thing? or that's We can just end it randomly like we usually do. I don't care. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm looking for that moment. I don't have a line for you. Sorry. <laughs>